Hello and welcome to episode 19 of LOI Weekly with Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald. And the guests just get more and more special. Uh, week on, week off, uh, we have James Chambers in studio. James Chambers, how are you? I'm very well, thanks for having me guys. And not at all, not at all. Great to have you. Uh, you're a good mate of... Uh, one of our men behind the scenes on the show? I am, I am. I'm yeah. a good friend of Owens and I know Dan quite a while. So I've only met yourself today, but I can tell that you're not a bad fella. Jeez. James, tell me this now, Early James. Days. James, you're, um, you're, you are based see where you, this is going. you're based in the USA now. How sort of au fait are you with the logistics of traveling to and from America, like going to the airport and needing a visa and, and that type of thing? You're on top of it. Yeah, it's, it's second nature at this It's pretty point. straightforward. Okay, Johnny here should actually have spent the weekend away in America. Like last week you were speaking about it. You were looking forward to, you know, five Go days. Go uh, Five days in Miami. So what happened, Johnny? Didn't get an extra. Didn't what get happened? the old visa waiver. I was refused. So basically, I've done this most of the time, or at least a few times before. I've gotten to the airport, done the ESTA at the airport, like it's a formality. And even the girls at Delta were like, yeah, just do the ESTA and come back to us. So it was grand. And you do it on your phone. It takes maybe five minutes normally. And uh, they go, yeah. So one of the questions was, have you been to any of these countries in the last, like, 10 years, whatever it was? One of them was Iran, which I have visited. And I was like, I don't remember that ever being on it before, but okay, I'm going to be honest anyway. So, uh, and then it goes at the end, yeah, uh, you're not getting a visa straight away. Your authorization is pending. So in effect, if I want to go to the States at all in the near future, I have to go to the embassy and apparently do a two-hour long, rigorous kind of interview. Uh, and the, the bottom line here is that I missed the wedding. And secondly, I can get a visa in Iran on arrival now, but I can't get to the States without going to the embassy here. So it's almost like flipped. America's harder to reach so, than so Iran. So you've been told that you actually now need to do that to get an ESTA, to go mm -hmm. to the embassy yeah. and have this discussion? Yeah. Genuinely? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, I'm kind of mad. And it's not necessarily all Trump's thing because this came in before Trump. Starting that question about Iran and Libya and all those countries. So um, you'll be okay to get back next week, back to the States? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I, I don't think honesty was the best policy there, was it, John? No, no, <laughs> it no, no, no. And even if, so if I get to the airport in Georgia, wherever it is, I can go, oh, I was in a rush, like, and blag it and say, to be honest, I didn't even see that question properly. But honesty has screwed me over. Yeah. Screwed me over. But you got to see some games over the weekend instead, Johnny. So, when, I mean, when, you went, uh, didn't really want to be in Miami. We, we, we got in for a bit of pride on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. we did. We were in town. Yeah. We were in town. A lot of Carlo colours, as you said yourself, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> we're on podcasts or probably Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And you didn't see any games at the weekend, actually, despite being back. I didn't, no. I got in, uh, in Thursday morning and uh, yeah, I had to go to uh, Liam Buckley's mother passed away. Mm -hmm. So I w went to the funeral. And were then, you close to Buckle? Uh, I just, but Liam was, was, when I was back a couple of months ago, Liam and, and most of the Pat lads, Pat's lad had turned up at my late father's funeral. So it was it was the right thing to do. And, and I'd speak to him kind of here, there, and I'd be close to most of the lads. So it just coincided that I was in on the day and, and it was good to go and, and see everyone. Obviously not the occasion you want to meet people at. But and then the last couple of days, then Thursday, Friday, I slept like a baby. So I didn't get to see any games Friday. I would have probably gone and watched Pats, but they were in Limerick on the Saturday. And as much as I love them, I'm not driving to Limerick to watch a game. James, just to explain to people, because obviously the League of Ireland community is a small one, and I suppose a lot of people maybe in the, within that might know that your dad had passed away a couple of months back. But you're basically home at the moment on a compassionate leave, effectively, is it? To, yeah. From your club, because people might be wondering why. You know, while you're on a sort of mid-season break, I suppose, back in, in Ireland when the American season is ongoing. Yeah, like you said, people might put two and two together and get six with it being very late June and me being back. But no, yeah, like you said, my, my father passed away and the club, the organisation have been different class with me. They've given me, they gave me a month 
they didn't give me any time, but I felt it was it was right to go back as quick as possible and get into the swing of things because they missed the start of the season. So we played last Tuesday a week ago and we had four days off. So they said that I could take an extra couple of days and miss the game this coming Saturday. So I'll miss that and fly back the 4th of July. So it's, it's not ideal, but there's there's certain things that need to be done here with, with my brother and sister that we need to go to do moving forward. So yeah, they've they've been different class. Everybody has, like the, the message is still being coming through and stuff. And we've we've been overwhelmed. Like obviously it's difficult to deal with, but you don't have a choice. You just need to pick it up and go on. I suppose you do learn good good things about an employer though in a club and in that situation because you'd like to think everyone would be the same, I guess, but it's maybe not always the case in a you know a cutthroat world as it might be sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and I have a role and responsibility there as as the captain and as an elder statesman by by a number of years that I I have the the group to look after and and they're they're putting me first to say you go and deal with your stuff and take as long as you need and and when you come back then you'll you'll be reintegrated into the group which has been been fabulous you know and I can't thank them enough for what they've done I read a piece you did recently in the 42.e I think you spoke about your dad how he was such a, a big influence in your life even in terms of the advice he might have given you in terms of sticking it out over there because I guess the, 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 the question that might lead is well then would you be tempted to come home now but you mentioned that your dad always would have advised you to Stick with what feels right. Yeah, yeah, that's the. I had some kind of waivers last year and stuff where I wasn't sure when I was settling in, and he said, "No, you just stick it out. You've committed to two years, and, and thankfully I've committed to a couple more now." So he just said, "No, stick it out because you, you've done everything here. So there's nothing really left for you." So yeah, yeah, that's that's where I'm at now. And we'll recap on the results from uh, last week and uh, last night, which was Monday night. Uh, Dundalk beat Harps four 0 in front of the Air Sports cameras. Bowes beats Sligo 2-0 again that Dan and I were at. And, um, yeah, just one of those nights for Sligo, really. Go United's further troubles for them, losing 2-1 at home to Bray. Derry City beaten by long ball Cork City, uh, 2-1 in Bunkrana, despite Cork being down to 10 men. And Rovers hockey draw at a 4-1. And then on Saturday, Limerick and Pat Shade shared four goals rather than the Marcus Field. And last night I was in Oriel to watch Dundalk... Um, Hammer go United 2-0 if that is possible and seem to be coming along nicely with a view to Europe. Um, Dan, I suppose very briefly, there wasn't much in the way of uh, shocks there and Cork to do what they did with 10 men and get two excellent goals again in Derry and, uh, you know, the show goes on, I suppose. Oh, it's, a, it's an extraordinary win for them, really. You know, again, we spoke, I think, about it last week, that if you were to draw the, the fixture list and say what are the hardest games they have left, I think Derry away was one of them. When they went one behind, you'd think, OK, maybe is this the day? And they're ahead by the break. And we've spoken about this before. It's, it's their reaction to going behind in games has been fantastic. And, you know, you've been involved, James, with successful sides that just seem to have this sort of inner belief, this confidence that even if they have a rocky patch in games, they seem to come out of them. But, I mean, their, their record of just falling behind in games and, and turning it around. And there was against Sligo even earlier in the season. Do you remember then in Turner's Cross? I think it was a Monday night game. I mean, they went one behind with 20 minutes to go and they still won the match. And it just seems like this is the story of their season. And they saw it out with 10 men comfortably enough. And uh, later on the show as well, Kenny Shields is going to be on um, I can't uh, wait to talk to Kenny, one of the characters of the league, Dan. And he did big up uh, this Cork City long ball side for the game, but Cork ultimately beat them two one. So Cork are probably uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, uh, they they may be direct at times, but uh, I mean, Cork two years ago, where I would have said they were probably quite a long ball side. I don't. 
I don't think it's a fair description. I actually really enjoy watching them now. I have to say they've been, they've been good. The when they're in full flow, they're really good. And yeah, maybe they've slightly different to the than dark side of the last couple of years in terms of their approach. But um, did you even got see some good uh, players? Uh, they've you know. some, did you see Soccer Republic, James? I did. Yeah, I watched did, it. Yeah. So the car, the car goals, obviously Marcy with the blinder from outside the box, but just Shepard and uh, Maguire that understand them for the first goal, just in a flash. Yeah, I think. Well, Shawnee's come some short, and Shep has recognised the spaces in behind them. Shawnee's on flames at the moment, and he continues to be since the start of the season. Shawnee's so. on flames. Is that an American way of saying I'm? <laughs> he's like he's on flames. Well, I'm not going. I'm not going to jump in with the rest of them and follow suit. I'm going to say something a little bit. different. I like that. I like that. Okay. Yeah, he's got the lingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. Be a shepherd, not a sheep, Johnny. You know, <laughs> lead the flock. Don't follow. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I, That's I'm, actually I'm, the mantra with Johnny just tried <laughs> to live his life. Yeah, yeah badly. Fair. And now Gerard uh, as well. I, I think he he's taking his game to a new level you know I really did believe that when he went to Cambridge that he was he, he probably is one of the best players I think I've played against really I think he's strange absolutely it didn't really fabulous happen. strange didn't really happen from there I was shocked because I thought he would go there establish himself start to play really really well because he has all the tools he really does and when you, I don't think you realise how good he is until you play against him truthfully and I thought that was going to be a stepping stone for him to maybe get 50 games there and someone lower level championship like like a Barnsley or someone along those lines might snap him like that that was my thought process behind it but it didn't really happen for him I don't think he settled quite well and he's, he's come back now and look at him like he's, he's taking his game to a new level uh, Who's the best midfielder you played against the League of Ireland? I'd put Gerard up there Yeah Yeah I think he has everything obviously Richie's been excellent uh, Greg I played with for years Killian there's so many like Ronan there's so many top top players but Gerard for me was just one that you were like I have to play against him this week he just has he's strong he can use the ball he's really really sharp and he's so athletic he has the one thing that you can't give people which is athleticism Let's talk James Chambers Dan I suppose and uh, first of all it's great to have you on the show and just to mention Owen your friend is the guy who does all our stats Dan um, and does a great job week in week out doesn't he? Yeah, you said that for the last three weeks, Johnny. Yeah, you just need I'm to just, change the record now, to be honest. I'm like I'm like Aidan O'Brien after race tanking all the team at home, you know. The the the, the people that nobody else sees, you know, but Owen is the man and, and a backbone of uh yeah. LOI Weekly. But you can stop saying it every week. I mean, yeah. to be honest, he's he's gonna slack up, to be fair, at this rate. Is the adulation's gonna get the better of him? I think so. Yeah. Um how is life in the States? Yeah, life's life's good at, at the moment. Everything's everything's going well. I've settled a little bit better this year and, and understand my, my responsibility and my role within the team, which is which is fine. Like, you know, we tell tell us your story. How long are you there now and uh, uh well, with a new club as well? Yeah, so I'd initially signed for a for a new sta- a new start up club which uh, last year, last January Bethlehem Steel. Bethlehem Steel. So I was there for, for two years initially and the end of last season we sat down and had a discussion that potentially looking at ripping up the second year and signing a new longer-term contract, which I agreed to. And it's it's kind of where I see myself for the next couple of years. You know, it's... it's a lot of disappointed Pats fans out there right now. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. They had a good result at the weekend, going 2-0 down. So they're fine. Uh, yeah, so so that's where I'm based in Philadelphia. And uh, we're, we're kind of like a feeder developmental team for the MLS side, Philadelphia Union. So we, we, we train in Philadelphia outside the stadium, but we play our games an hour and a half away up in Bethlehem. And we, we travelled most of the east coast of the States, which is certainly something that I didn't envisage doing when I was going over there, you know. It, it's something that, that I enjoy. Are just explain. Just the, yeah, I just, just want to put in a very crude pun there. Are you, like, are you the star of Bethlehem? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be done, Dan. 
because I was going to lose my train with the of initials thoughts. JC as well. You know, ah, you see what I did brilliant. there? Yeah. Well, because you, you are the skipper, the the older guy, stageman. I am. Stage. Now I know where you got me on the show, lads. Just <laughs> purely for that pun alone. <laughs> John, Johnny has no interest in talking. <laughs> no, he's like he's done. Johnny, Johnny has left the building. <laughs> Dan, you're you going to ask him no, questions. So just to explain to people, because I did a piece the other day with Richie Ryan, who's with Miami, another sort of ex League of Ireland player in America, and it's certainly becoming a growing thing. Now he's in the NASL. You're in the US United Soccer, which is they're both second tier status effectively is it yeah they're both second tier they're fighting for it the, yeah. the NASL was a level above but they had a, a number of teams pull out so it's kind of got back a little bit level you, the money in the USL wouldn't be as as high as as the NASL the NASL are for kind of players that most of them would probably play in MLS teams but they get far greater money in the NASL yeah so the way it works in the states is if you sign for a team 90% of the time you're going to get minimum wage which would be in and around $60,000 so pl players don't want to play for that for four or five years continuing to build year on year to get to a figure of say 150 whereas someone will throw 150 on the table for you for an NASL club okay. and you're not going to bite their hand off obviously. No, no but can you see this is going to become a a growing market for Irish players. To go. I know there's been a lot of over there, you know, Derek Foran and Zayed, Colin Falvey, you can go through a lot of them. Um, but it just strikes to me, last winter I spoke to a couple of agents and people who were saying that there seems to be more and more clubs there in those expanding levels below the MLS that are willing to offer stability that maybe you mightn't, mightn't get at home. Yeah, and, and it's the lifestyle as well. You know, it's, it's the security of, of getting a two-year contract and it's the lifestyle, like, I was lucky enough when I left, and I still am. I don't have a wife, I don't have kids, so I'm looking after me. Yeah. So I can go and, and do whatever I want type of thing. So it's it's certainly something that I would recommend to anyone that's thinking about doing it. It might be a little bit difficult to do it with, with a wife and kids because obviously you're uprooting them. But if, if you're single or you have a missus that you don't really like, well, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you do it? Like It's, it's something you need to... Uh, I was always in the back of my mind when I was younger. I wanted to try different things, but it wasn't until my late 20s that I actually got the the kind of the bug to do it and so, and I spoke to Derek I spoke to Richie before I went and they were like look if, if the opportunity is there you, you need to take it like, you do, did you, you have do a message you didn't like at the time yeah, yeah, you do, you do <laughs> realise like you've actually put a, an implanted an idea in some players heads or in struggling relationships there is a way out yeah, just get a, get, move to yeah. the States <laughs> just talk yeah. <laughs> no 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 move to the States and what's the football like over there like is yeah. it is it on the ground yeah yeah it is mo mo most of it like most of the teams will be standalone teams that are that are trying to get a, a little bit of a, a kind of a an attendance and they're, they're trying to be standalone clubs that want to go to the MLS like we, we played Cincinnati probably four or five weeks ago there was 20,000 people at the game right. in, a, in a college football stadium which was which was ludicrous but they're looking to go to the next level MLS we have Toronto 2 in our in our conference we have uh, Red Bulls 2 and Orlando City essentially Orlando City 2 so they're they're feeder teams like ourselves but we we go we went to St. Louis a couple of weeks ago like obviously I mentioned Cincinnati we played Ottawa like everybody does try and play the right way Ottawa were probably one of the one of the poorer teams that we've played against this year they they just pumped the ball and I was giving big Shane McElhenney awful stick about it and he didn't want to hear it he's playing for <laughs> he's with Ottawa Fury he was with us at Pats he played for Derry previously so isn't he, it mad like small crazy work. yeah but he, he'd spoken to me in in kind of November December time that there was a contract potentially coming through what did I think and I was telling them it's it's a no-brainer like go and experience it and see what you think and what, what's interesting what you're saying before we started was that Bethlehem is kind of like a post-industrial place where there's a lot of I guess unemployment uh, you know pr struggling to find his place in the world and it's not that well attended uh, the games 
what's it like the you know obviously you don't actually live there but what's it like that area yeah so we we travel up with most of our games are 5 5 p.m on a on a sunday so we travel up probably leave the houses about two o'clock so head up get up there for about half three so we don't spend an awful lot of time in Bethlehem there's probably between 1500 to 2000 at the games and and for the level we're at that's that's not a great attendance for that level but for here it would be something that people would they'd bite your hand off for most weeks you know I'd imagine Pats would be pretty impressed yeah, with 2000 every week like obviously Limerick and Cork and Derry would probably take 2000 yeah, as well yeah no, there's, like, there's several clubs that would certainly yeah certainly yeah. because you're guaranteed 2000 people through the gate you know and what's the place like uh, in, are, you, in are you in Philly? Mm. Are you in, oh, so we're based in. I'm based in Philadelphia. That's mm. where I live. So it's it, Philadelphia is cool. It's it's a different city. I'm I'm still figuring it out. So it's it's enjoyable. It, it's not Dublin, but it's it's certainly something that I've taken to and and I enjoy exploring. How long did it take you to settle into the states? Uh, I, I settled in quite quickly with the lifestyle and stuff like that. It was it was just the football at the start was a little bit different and and I, I wasn't really sure about it. But but now I'm I'm convinced and and I like it. I enjoy it. What do they make your clobber over there? Are you they think it's fabulous. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Do, are you like a fa- like are you kind of a fashionista over there? Well, or? you said it, Johnny. That's fair enough. Yeah. I'm not sure I did actually, <laughs> but uh, no, he would have had a would have had a penchant for kind of setting trends down. Before he left the League of Ireland, did he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, what yeah. do you mean, did he? <laughs> Are you talking on the pitch or just like you just? No, 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 no. no, 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 no he's clobber. He's clobber. Yeah, yeah. On occasion, yeah. And I bumped into James around town once or twice. You know, yeah. he's always well turned out. It must be said. And on the pitch, what did you make of him? Yeah, no, it's definitely. I mean, he's had an interesting career. You know, is he going to be at Rovers, Pats, Rovers, Shells, Pats? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one or the other on yeah. year to year. Let's start off. So you started going to games in Talca um, with your dad, who seemed to be a huge influence, obviously, and uh, you. Saw very good shell sides and ended up actually at shells. Yeah, I, I saw some serious shell sides, like you know, with Gagans, uh, like Shero. It the list goes on, like you know, it, it really does. Obviously, Harry, and then I was lucky enough to to go in, and Harry was the captain when I was there, and and took me under his wing essentially. The Bakers, like I was, I was lucky to go and see these players, and then to actually be in a dressing room with them. It was, it certainly was a, a really, really good upbringing for me. Yeah, and you were a kid then, as in in football terms, around the run in two thousand and four. You were sort of on the fringes of the squad then, weren't you? Yeah, I was like I was eighteen. I just finished my leave insert, and I was eighteen. I went in in the July, the very start of July, and and turned full time then. And then I spent kind of like the last four or five months there training with them. And the season came around the following season, and Waterford were on the table, and I decided that I needed to go and play games. When initially I wanted to stay and fight for my place, and and Fat was Fat, Fat was fine with that, but it. it kind of I was a little bit naive to think that I was going to break into a title win inside at 19 so mm. that's why I went down to Waterford and, and I enjoyed it down there it was great to go and get games and, and come back ideally it wasn't it wasn't great when I came back because there was nothing there yeah that was just a club was disintegrating at that point effectively yeah well you obviously had all the money troubles and then there was there was really like Jason was was up for sale Sean Sean Dillon, Dillon yeah. like, like some of the players that we had like then Dave Rogers, like there were so many top, top players, but just to be around them, I, I trained in Waterford probably twice a week, and then the rest of the week I was full-time with Shell, so I was getting the best of both worlds, I still had such a good upbringing while still playing games down there, so yeah. I was very, very lucky. We're not going to ask you to run through every season of your career here, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of the, what followed in your times at the respective clubs, what was the most enjoyable time you had in terms of the, your time in the league here? I, I, probably two most enjoyable years were obviously the 
like the first year at Rovers was really enjoyable because that was the first time where I started to get a little bit of belief. Like I, I'd played at Trotter the year before and, and had a decent season like towards the back end, scored a couple of goals and like it's crazy. Like you can be playing really, really well but nobody takes notice unless you get goals. On the flip side, you play poorly and get goals. No one cares. Yeah. So it's taken me until this stage of my career to realise that. So uh, I, I, I enjoyed Rovers first and foremost because I went into an environment that I loved and we, we were a really, really good side. You just spoke about the winning habit that teams have that the Cork side had. Now, we had that where we just believed. We had Twiggy up front too. That was Michael O'Neill's Rovers, right? Yeah, yeah, Michael O'Neill's. Like if we were struggling, it was just get it to Twiggy and he can do the rest. You know, he, he really was that good that year. And then the second season I enjoyed most was off the back of, of the Scottish disaster where Hamilton was when I went to, to Pats first and Liam started to kind of tinker me a little bit into the six. And yeah. he, that's where I really, really flourished. I really enjoyed it. Because initially when I went to Rovers, Michael wasn't sure where to play me. So I played as like an 8 and a 10. And I've never been a 10 in my life. Then he started to play me wide right. Like He knew I couldn't run, but he expected me to get a half a yard and just whip it in, which I can do. Yeah. But the problem is if the fullback is quicker than me, well then, Michael, we have an issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Were you at Rovers at the time you played Juventus? Around yeah, that? yeah, yeah, we were there. That was that was one of the kind of like that. That was actually I didn't I enjoyed the Juventus experience for what it was, but it, I didn't I didn't play well, so I didn't like it. Just blew by me. Like I was really upset after the game. Gotcha, that, yeah. Did you play boat legs? Yeah, yeah, I did. But I went into the Juventus game like I was in a good rain, a good vein of form, and I went in thinking like oh, I can't wait to test myself against these players and, and see how far I am off it. Now these players are like played in World Cups, like where uh, Simon Pepe played, like Ender marked him, like some really really Chiellini, like Benucci, top top players. And I went in thinking I was twenty two, thinking let's see how far I am off this. I came off the pitch distraught. I went home and spoke to my dad and went, I am never ever ever getting to that level no matter what I do nice. so that kind of not upset me but knocked me for six thinking you can work and graft as hard as you get but no chance of you getting near them so yeah. that that took me a couple of weeks to digest for sure mm. yeah and uh you spoke as well about Michael O'Neill how good a man manager he was which I probably hadn't read much about before but you really were extolling his qualities in that regard yeah like when he when he signed me he just like he, he signed me because I had a good season at Drogheda and he pulled me in after like a week or 10 days of pre-season and he was just like like I, I signed you but I didn't realize how good you were and I was like, well, I'm not really sure whether to take that as an insult or a compliment, Michael. <laughs> Did you do your research or have I just come in really fit and sharp? And he was like, no, just your qualities I didn't see at first hand. Obviously, you played against us, but when I see you on a day-to-day -day basis, it's different. So he, he instilled the confidence in me that I could play every week at, at a title winning side. And, and thankfully, I did. And you alluded to Hamilton. What, what, in, in essence, what, what went wrong? Like, well, I went over, obviously the season ended and, and I was talking to Rovers, but nothing really concrete. And then I was like, there was an offer from them, but the Hamilton thing came up and I just felt that it was the right time to, to go, like to give it a go. Because I, I essentially saw Hamilton as go there, do well, and there was a stepping stone. Now, it didn't work out like that. The club was just, there was too many people, too, you know the saying, too many chefs spoiled the broth. There was too many people having a say in the team here, there and everywhere from, from the top to the bottom. And it just wasn't right. I, I went over in January and, and I hadn't had a pre-season. I was keeping fit here and I got thrown in after a week in a game. I did okay and considering I hadn't played in three and a half months. So it, it never really got going. And then the second year we were in the first division. I knew I didn't want to play first division of Scottish football. So thankfully in December we both came to an agreement that look from both sides of things it hasn't worked out. And we'll talk a little bit um, in due course about you spoke on mental health um, issues at Rovers but 
Uh, this was something that I, that often affected me as a kid when you played against a team like you're talking about against Juve and they give you such a batter and we were talking to Damo last week about playing Rosenberg and you do come off the pitch and you're just like your limitations are obviously just in your face and it's like it's actually hard to get over that yeah it is it, like Juve beat us 3-0 that night in Tala and Maori like he's playing in the States now he was unstoppable that night you know and they had Marquise up and they had so many top top players we yeah, we like we did, we didn't do that well against, and we did as well as we could. But it was more from a personal standpoint that I was like so disheartened because I wanted to to further my career and see how far I could get up the levels. Like every player wants to play at the highest level, whether that's England or whether it, wherever it is. Now I knew I wasn't going to sign for Roma the following week and play against Juve, but I wanted to see the Italian how far I was after. Yeah, it would. Yeah, in yeah. a pair of shades, I'd be laughing. Yeah. But, I, I I knew when I came off the pitch, I was like, no, no matter how hard you graft, how hard you grind and what you do, extra work, you're never, ever getting to that level. Uh, let's talk about Pazzo and your relationship with Liam Buckley and the time you had there. Yeah, like I, I, I have an awful lot of respect for Liam as a manager and as a person, you know, like he's, he's, been, he's been good to me. He's the one who essentially saw something that moulded me into essentially like a, a forward thinking six. So it was it was enjoyable. The year I came back was exactly what I needed. I just needed to, to go and play and to express myself. And I, I that was like when I was 24, 20, yeah, I was 24 when I came back to sign for Pat. So I was... Still figuring out how to play as the six, and like I've enjoyed it ever since. Like he's the one who seen me, or saw me as a, a central midfielder. Yeah, so he was the guy that almost changed your career in that respect, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah, because I think like Michael, like I said, he he, he saw me as a wide right. We obviously had an awful lot of talent in the middle as well, and I played in the middle on numerous occasions. But he was just trying to fit me into where he could type of thing. And okay, so when you ended up in Rovers, and we we've seen this article on the Forty Two that uh, I think is quite it's quite groundbreaking in a sense because it wasn't spoken about in the League of Ireland. Well, I think it was you did a piece, wasn't it, with David Snade in the in the Irish Mail originally, where you yeah. spoke about sort of mental health issues, and it was very. It was rare at the time, I think, in Irish football that someone spoke out about it, but the response afterwards seemed to be quite overwhelming. I mean, can I just ask you what that time was like and the response that you received from, from people when you touched on that topic? Yeah, it was it was crazy because I'd, I'd left Pats and, and went to Rovers and, and the season had started okay, relatively well, and then I, I just wasn't performing the way I wanted. I I didn't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it. And then like it, it just started to sink in over time. And I, the last place I wanted to be was at training. And I'm not like that. I'm, I'm first in, last out. Like I just didn't want to be there. I'd go in at half ten and leave. Like When the boys were doing the warm down, I'd be first in and showered and gone. It was the last place I wanted to be. So I, I'd met David for a, for a chat, just a, a generic conversation about I actually worked in the off-season in, in Brown Thomas. So he wanted to have a chat. And I went in and had a chat with him and he asked me how things were, were going and stuff. And I'd heard a couple of rumblings of people saying, oh, this was going on at Rovers and that was going on at Rovers. And you know yourself, Dan, like that the league is quite small. So when someone says something about you, it grows legs. It gets around. <laughs> it gets yeah. around and, and I'm like, that's none of the stuff that, that's being said is the truth. I'll tell you what it was. So it's not something that I wanted to particularly put forward, but right. I felt that I had to. And like Stephen and, and Ollie and the PFI have said, like that the, the legs that it grew on the back of that and the response that it got was, was incredible. So were you like, nervous about saying that? Maybe maybe nervous is the wrong word, but apprehensive about yeah, the response when, I, you, when the words have left your mouth and you're thinking, oh, this is out there Yeah, now. like I was very, look, when I said them, I was trying to push them back in. I was like, oh, you probably shouldn't have said that. It was the heat of the moment type of thing. Yeah. Like, but, but then it was out there and it was like, look, it, it is what it is. And it like looking at it now, it, it's helped so many people to be able to come out and say it. Like, look, I'm not one of the, the bigger players that has a, a big profile in the league, but certainly someone that will say it first 
people then see a little bit of like, oh, well, if he said it, then it's okay to say uh, it. Type and was of there thing. a kind of a therapy in it? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd spoken to a couple of people and they helped me. And then I just, I, I got away. Well, I was still training and, and going, training and, and, well, available for games. But I was doing other stuff outside of it that kept my mind away from the game. Because it was the game that got me down. It wasn't anything else. It was just the game that was getting to me. How do you I, explain that so? Look, I, cu I couldn't hit you with a pass, Johnny, and you're sitting right beside me. Like, I was really, I was awful. And, and that was, I was well, working... Was one thing feeding into the other or what was feeding into what? It was just my performances. I was working even harder to try and get back to the level I wanted and I couldn't I was getting worse and I was putting more and more pressure on myself to, to play well and I just literally like the last thing I wanted was the ball it was just I, I really don't want to be here like because I'm, I didn't feel I could contribute in any way like I, I have to say Dan as well I, I you know you watch players sometimes and you make that point he's actually running away from the ball this player and you don't understand that there might be something else going on you know, they're just my yeah, I like, yeah, because obviously, the, I mean, I suppose it was a taboo issue in football to speak about, and we now see it being addressed, uh, you know, at the highest levels of English football, and um, and every case is different, so you can't you can't sort of you know generalize and, generalize, and say that this stands from one case to another, and obviously in your case it was very much the football that was influencing your mood, yeah. whereas in other cases it may have been family uh, issues, or stuff like that, outside or whatever. So, I mean, how did you? shake that then as such in terms of coming to love football again so I, what I did was I, I was still like I said I was still going training and stuff like that but I was doing other work I was helping the PFAI out and other little things like that where my sole focus wasn't on football so the Gary O'Neill fundraiser was, was ideal yeah. it came around and Stephen said Stephen and Ollie approached me and Sean Ellibert said like if it's something you'd like to do would you come in and help us and like it's it's not a it's not a full time job just be hands on and it'll take your mind away from things so I threw myself into into Naylor's kind of work and and the fundraising and and the football was then essentially yeah I'll go and train and I won't worry about it like I wasn't in I wasn't in squads so it it didn't really that make that much of a difference you know and and it just happened that that was my sole focus that the football gradually started to get that little bit better I wasn't horrific anymore I was just poor so then it started to get back over a, over a couple of weeks and months that it started towards the end of the season I was actually going to to Trevor at the time and being like look I'm ready like I'm in and he was he I'd spoken to him about it and he he was leaving me out of squads and I was like this is not I don't need this like you know yeah. it was just it was just really bad at the time but like the Gary stuff really did help me because it was my sole focus and I threw everything into it and it was it was really really enjoyable yeah and you see like Mikey Drennan obviously coming out uh, speaking since I think he did wonders as well for just being honest you know this we're not perfect and uh, it's hard to put your problems aside and just play football when your mind's not there. Yeah, I think so. And I think every, like there's no way you're going to go through 365 days a year with, with a smile on your face. You know, you're, you're certainly going to hit some bumps along the road, but it's just about it's about dealing with them in the right way. And if, if the negatives outweigh the positives, well, then it is time to open up and, and speak to someone. And had you many people talking to you from like fellow players? Uh, yeah, look, a, a lot of people have, have shot me a text and a message mm. and stuff just being like, look, this, that and the other type of thing, you know, and, and I'm like, look, well, if you need anything, I'm here, I'm no expert, but I do have some sort of inkling of where you're coming from, you know, like, like Dan said, you can't generalise it because the game got me down where there's family issues, relationships, girlfriends that you don't like, <laughs> they, they <laughs> might start a to team as well. You. And and so when you were working in Brown Thomas as well, did you get like a big staff discount? 
I got a little bit of a staff yeah. discount. Yeah, yeah, he definitely took advantage of that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I knew he was teeing me up for something. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But yeah. well, this this girlfriend team, we were going to have to get over that. Yeah, we had Johnny Dunleavy on uh, earlier on in the season, and uh, he was single at the time. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you're single as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of yeah. Course. Johnny, so Johnny is too, although he's very smartly dressed tonight. Johnny. I am. And you said actually, you said you're going yeah. for dinner later, Just but you're I, got, I bought this from Brian Thomas last night. Did actually, you? A blazer. <laughs> but um, what was the best point of your career in terms of? football then is it now or uh I, I winning the league i think I'll, I'll never beat that feeling like you know win, winning the league is something that you like you can't you a very beat. good team as well like yeah we did have a really good team but we still won it yeah like yeah. you can like uh, like there's teams that throughout the years like like the shells team of 2003 they they had probably the best players they didn't win the league mm-hmm. Cork beat them yeah like yeah. so it's not about putting all the best players together oh, fuck, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's a jigsaw you need to have good players with good mentality with with good pros it's it's kind of a combination essentially you know we did have a very very good team but did, did you find any sense that paths that there were a soft touch that has been thrown at them so many times it's like uh lean buckley as a manager he's not hard enough on his players because obviously that wasn't necessarily the case with you guys you succeeded whereas now they're in a real relegation mess and the the notion out there is like, well, he's not the man to get them out of because he's too easy to play for. I, I can see where people come from with that, but like my experience on him is that he he trusts the players an awful lot. That like yeah, When you go and you play for Liam, you know what you're going to get because he wants you to play football completely. You know, there's some players he, he's probably signed in the past that like, they're, they're probably footballers, but they're they're not strong enough to figure it out for themselves. You know, it's it's too nicey nicey for them. Where there's times in the game when yeah, the manager wants you to go out and play, which is absolutely fabulous. The game might not require you to to make ten or eleven passes and try and go to goal. It might be roll the sleeves up and let's get nasty and and that what it, that's what it requires. And they have an awful lot of young lads in there at the moment. And in fairness, the, the last time I was home. Uh, Liam and, and Jared O'Brien were fabulous. They let me go in and train with them for for a week, so I, I've seen it first hand. They've some really really good players, but like I said, it, they're young players as well. So, like a lot of them need to kind of realize that. Yeah, look, it's the relegation battle we're in. You know, they they certainly have the quality. I think any team with with Conan and even Christie up front as well. I know he's not scoring frequently, but like Christie's still one of the best strikers in the league. Conan Conan's having a really good season considering like he's in he's in yeah. a team that that's. Essentially second, bottom of the league. Well, I think we'll, we'll speak more about Pats later because we're obviously going to have to preview the game with Galway on Friday night. But we're going to look at the European games first, I think, Johnny. I think this is our, yeah. uh, our immediate focus. One of, one of my favourite times of the year, Dan. It is. It's actually a fantastic time of the year. I think um, we'll speak to James a bit about some of his memories shortly. Um, Shall we start with, uh, I guess this is the game that most people expect the Irish club to get through and that's Levadia Talon against Cork City. Yeah, you would have, you would be disappointed if the runaway leaders of Ireland, and we said this last week, so I'm not going to repeat all of our points, but you'd be disappointed if the runaway league leaders in Ireland weren't capable of getting through over two legs against a team from Estonia, albeit a team from Estonia that seems like you know they're pretty hard to beat. They've reasonable good results, you know, in their own league this year. Okay, it's not a well supported league; it's a league that's ranked lower than ours. And you would expect an outstanding Irish team to be capable of beating them. But good from Caulfield to just play down and manage well, expectations I, I, I a bit as well. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. A couple of years ago, I remember he was speaking about their game at Reykjavik and I actually thought at the time he was too too negative, actually. Really? Um, but this is a managerial thing. In fairness, Stephen Kenny will be unbelievably positive about Europe. But I did remember then that actually last year before the game with FH, the first game, he was very wary. He almost had things he at the time he wanted to say, but he almost had it in his head 
said, oh, oh, I'll speak to you if we get through almost. And then he, and then he went on a, his, his more broad rant about Irish players can play and should James be James knows Stephen Kenny, judging yeah, from his laughter there. Yeah, but there, was, yeah. there, was, there wasn't as many pauses in that <laughs> version of it as there might be normally. So I think maybe there's an element of the managers being negative or so being wary of, of, of speaking big before you've even won a tie and then getting tripped up. But I would think he possibly has more belief than than he's said there. He doesn't want to say, breed some kind of complacency into his team that you're beating everyone, you should go and beat these. He's telling them it's a 50-50 game, but in reality, I think if Cork performed, they should beat these. They should be capable over two legs. Absolutely. And uh, Derry City have a much, much bigger task in Mittyland uh, by uh, all accounts, really, playing against, I think, the second highest ranked team in the whole draw. And uh, earlier on, we spoke to their manager, Kenny Shields. Kenny, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, I, the first question I'm going to ask you is how important was it tying down Nicky Lowe to a contract, especially with a view to the games coming up in Denmark and back in the showgrounds? Well, we're just not over the line in that one because there's just a couple of wee teasing things that we need to get sorted with Dundee. And uh, I've been, and that's my phone call I was just on when you called that I'm trying to put that one to bed. It's not it's not through yet. It's not through because there's a couple, as you know, there's conditions and things on loan deals and it's it's really difficult for me to say what percentage of where we're at because it could be ninety percent there, but there's things I have to discuss with my chairman about it and it's it's not done and dusted, as I say. And aside from Nicky Lowe, obviously Patterson came back last week. Um, he, he's coming back, I suppose, for fitness. Now, you, you came out after the game and said that Conor McDermott was out. Where are you, actually, in terms of the panel for the Midtland game? Who's in, who's out? Right, McDermott's not trained, and Barry McNamee rolled his ankle in Sunday's training, and Mark Tumlin has damaged his back. Those three... Uh, Mark... Will will be available, but Barry and Connor look as if they're both out. Connor's still in a bit. Not Connor. Uh, Barry's still wearing a bit on his ankle. The ankle is a joint that can um, damage quickly and heal quickly, but the groin is not. Uh, Connor's is the groin, and it's a slow, a slower healer. And uh, with the kicking action that's involved in our our game, it's highly unlikely that Connor will play. And, uh, you know, notwithstanding Connor, I mean, McNamee, great goal, obviously, on Friday, having a fine season. That would be a major blow if he were out, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Two two major blows. Like McDermott's the best defender in the league. You By said that, distance. yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. You said that at the weekend. By some distance. And obviously, down where you are, you just don't see him every week and you just haven't got, you know, as much knowledge about our players as maybe would for your local teams. But he's... He's got everything. He's got everything. And, uh, if you look, if you look down the attributes of the defender, you, you would find that he's pretty much the complete article. And he, when you go to Europe, what you don't want to do is lose the pace at the back. And, and that's uh, something that we're. I don't want to be negative, but you know, because what I say publicly and what I say in the dressing room are two different. I, I thought that all along, all right. <laughs> yeah. 
and, yeah. all these guys on TV, they don't understand that. Yeah, and I've seen, I've seen, yeah, I've seen plenty of Derry actually this season. A massive oh, sorry, fan, of, right. massive fan of the team. Saw you recently in Oriel, Dan. You were there as well. And uh, how, Dan? How is this Derry team going to come well, into your? I'm just ca- curious, Kenny. Like, what sort of information have you been able to get about your opponents on Thursday? Given that they've been they've been out of season for a few weeks, I don't know. Has their squad changed, or is it very much the same well, bunch of players? But you're working off tapes, I guess, of. Their, their their games I, recently is it? Yeah, I've got I've got we watched we've watched loads of games on them because they've actually not been out of season a few weeks. It's only a few days. About twelve. They won the playoff. You see, they finished fourth, and they're the the same as the Irish League in the North. Here, they're the playoff system, and Michelin won that, and they got through from fourth place. So they finished on the sixth of June, which is a couple of weeks ago. They played at Friendly and Saturday Pass. Um, right, so it's like a mid-season break, own. effectively, that they've had sort of similar, similar in length similar, to mid-season similar, break. But no, you know, the, you don't lose your fitness. The science of it is you don't lose your fitness or your sharpness for about four or five or six weeks. So they're bang on. It's probably they've had a full season, and I'm watching them, and they're very slick, and it's. Um, going to be a great opponent to play and we go on we go with confidence I don't want people to think we're being negative but when I'm asked the question you have to give a true account of their uh, their qualities and what they can offer and how big of a challenge that is for us and we'll look upon it as that you, you mentioned that they seem to be particularly strong in set pieces is that obviously a, an area you have to work on yeah they're number two in Europe Number one is Atletico Madrid uh, for uh, goals to set pieces ratio. They've got this giant of a centre forward. They've got a, a number 36 who comes in off the, the sides, and they've got um, you know they've a lot of good attributes in the team, and which lends itself to a, a good product and a good team. And I have to say they're a good, they're a well-oiled outfit, and you know, case history tells you that they've had. 20 games in Europe in the last three seasons. So they have that vast experience and the high majority of the players have played on it. So these are good challenges for us and we go there as a... We definitely are a massive underdog, but we we look at it and we think we have a chance of doing very well. Yeah, and And Kenny, isn't there... Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Isn't there there definitely a small chance or... Or better even again that they will underestimate you guys. I mean, after the draw, they said this likely, you know, didn't know much about you. Likely, you would have a British style, uh, which is kind of funny because Jerry would be one of the best passing sides in the league without a doubt. And maybe the technical qualities you have might just take them um, by surprise. Yeah, I think you know they were able to dig in. They, they bought a keeper there for a couple of million a few days ago, and they they were able to dig in and send a representative over to the court game. Uh, who was in the gantry filming our game against Cork. So that's testament to them, you know, that they they have treated us with the respect to go through the the proper uh, preparation and look look at us as a, a team that they will... They'll have seen that we play decent and I don't think we played great football in the first half, but, you know, for the last hour of the game, we, we, we changed it. And we looked to be um, a good opponent for them, and I'm sure they'll have they'll have judged us as that. 
Yeah, and like the likes of McAniff, obviously, McNamee, if he can play, uh, Jarvis, Nicky Lowe, if he can play, they must be just relishing the prospect of a game like this. Aye, you have to say that. And, you know, if McNamee doesn't make it, and if McDermott doesn't make it, we've young lads to throw in. And I have to say, I don't think we can win the Europa League. So it's not a massive sacrifice throwing young lads in to get experience to improve their career. And it's not the end of the world if we have to do that because I can't see us winning the Europa League this year, to be honest. And um, losing Brian McNamee and Conor McDermott will weaken our opportunity of to progress. But at the end of the day, we've got to build for the future also. Yeah, and I guess how realistic is the possibility of beating these guys in terms of um, expectancy you're way down on the list of the four clubs I think everyone expects the other three can do quite well nobody gives Jerry much of a chance but what's your attitude going out there yeah I am envious of, of the, the um, is it Cork who plays Latvia and then uh, Estonia Estonia, yeah. Yeah. Estonia Estonia and then Jib Cyprus and got, yeah, well, Cyprus yeah Who's got Chib in the second? Well, I think it's a, they, they potentially play the winners of a tie between a team from Cyprus and Gibraltar. That's the option that they have. Oh, they yeah, yeah, through. yeah. You've got yeah. it, yeah. Well, they've got a really good, especially, it's Cork, isn't it? Yes. They, they've got the ammunition to, to get through those two rounds. They, they certainly have. And Even with their long ball style? Well, I was, I'll, I'll have to correct that because <laughs> when I say good things about teams... Uh, the people in your industry cut that out because it's not controversial. Mm-hmm. So they keep in the negatives. What I said was they play very direct, they play long ball, and they're very, very good at it, and they should be commended because if you have a strategy and you have a way of playing, and as I said to them in the same sentence, it's not a criticism. If that's the way you're going to play, we have to be up to being able to nullify that so it was never a criticism of Cork, but they took it as a criticism and, and so the reporters jumped on it. And there's no way I said it was bad. I never said it was bad. There's nothing wrong with playing direct play if it helps you to get a result and you have the personnel to benefit from that with Maguire running in behind and things like that and Shepard and, and Dooley coming off the sides. Then, yes, that's, that's their style, that's their philosophy, no time did I ever uh, say that it was ugly or it's it's just different than than how we play. And it's yeah, different. yeah. Well, I, I think you, what you said was more or less correct. Uh, I think it's just that you have uh, maybe a a name for saying stuff that just is so, good is very good copy. You, I can say to you now, if you define everything I say and you have it, it's the truth. Mm. And and I I have to step away from post-match interviews because I'm emotionally imbalanced and I, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just a highly emotional person and it, it can go against me. But I've said it about teams. If I had said, if you were describing our team and how we play, it would be a different description, a different philosophy. But theirs is better. Their philosophy is better because they're top of the league. I mean, Kenny, sometimes you hear managers talk about the away leg first, you know, go out there and get the result and, and bring it back to your place. The fact that you're bringing the tie back to Sligo, um, it's maybe slightly unusual. I mean, is there a certain pressure there to, 
to get a result that ensures that people travel to the game, the home leg, because it's, it's not ideal circumstances to have your home leg in Europe so far away. Yeah, we've been doing it all season on the domestic front, to be honest, but the, uh, the, the twist of irony is that it's a, an hour and 45-minute flight to Denmark for our away fixture, and it's a two-hour drive <laughs> to Slego for the home game. There so you are. We've got further to travel than uh, for the for the home leg. So I've used that quirky thing there. So yeah, it's uh, I even forget what you said there, but it's it's a tough it's a tough game for us. Yeah, I I think though to, to be fair with with it being in Sligo, the whole you know region will get behind you, considering the year Derry City have had, and everyone at LOI Weekly. Really wishes you all the best. Can't wait to see how it goes in Denmark. And thanks a million for your time, Kenny. Thank you very much. As you know, Dan, I'm only a League of Ireland journalist, like uh, one day a week, whatever. But I would love to speak to Kenny Shields more often. I'm not sure what he'd like to speak to you more often. I though. think I got a lot out he, of him. He there. seemed well. I mean, there was a lot of well. I actually, Kenny, I've seen Derry a lot too, and I think you're a wonderful team. You didn't yeah, tell but you have to butter them up. Well, I, I don't know. I do deal you. with world class trainers, Dan. Day in, day out, you have, you, to play, you have to play them. You have to play the player, like and man management, here. James. You know, you have to. I I know that James needs different advice to like you know Chris Forrester or whatever. You have to play them differently. Did you? Uh, did you would you tell trainers that you've lost a fortune on their horses the previous week? Uh, depend on the trainer. Because like, well, you never you never told Kenny just how much heartbreak that his team's performance in Braid week before last actually. We have Kenny it. back on the line. Uh, <laughs> Kenny, yeah, you never, you never. I was wondering. Oh, I was man, waiting for that, that to come up. That was a disaster. We don't even want to speak about this. Uh, We're going to get to Rovers, who are playing... um, This is even worse spelling than uh, what what I have. uh, Sharnan. Before we get to that, what's your favourite experience in Europe, actually, James? Obviously, we we mentioned the Juventus one, but the the Rover, or the the Pats one, when we played Hanover, that was was pretty special. That that was really, really good. The time we played them out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. Had you got got through a couple of rounds to... Yeah, that was the the third round. Yeah, Yeah, and... Did like, you beat a team in Russia before that? Was no, that that we, we went to Iceland. We played... Uh, oh, it was IBV or something? IBV. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't the Icelandic uh, Craggy Island, someone yeah. called yeah. it. At the time, You're yeah. struggling saying Michelin, yeah. so I'm yeah. not going to try and no, say No, no, Best Mania or something yeah. like that, yeah. And it was in Ireland, and uh, so we flew into Reykjavik, and then we took two small 20-seater planes. So we got off the plane, and we're pulling our bags off the undercarriage, and like, this is not real, because there's no terminal. So and then these two planes fly in separately and it, like I think it was Anthony, the secretary, was like, right lads, on you go. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we have to fly onto the other little island. So we go up in literally two 20-seater planes and land out of nowhere and the, the, the pitch was right beside a volcano. It was... Unbelievable. It was, re- it was one of those moments where you're like, really? Like, we and they to had like foreigners playing for To be fair though, they, they probably yeah. saw the houses when they got the Inchicore. It was like, what's going on here? <laughs> so they, they probably... There's probably an Icelandic podcast where the lads are saying, and then we came down the street and all of a sudden they said the ground is down there. And you want to see the Mazzonis. <laughs> but uh, so your, your next... Your, who did you play after We that? played uh, Siraki Briage. Ah, the Bosnian yeah, The Bosnian side. side. Yeah. And that was... We, we, got a, we got a good result there. We should have beat Christy them. Christy scored one, over one. there, did he? Was it? Christy yeah. scored over there, and we conceded. I was really, at the really home late. game, actually. Yeah. He, yeah. Did you win an extra time? We won yeah. an extra time. Yeah, we were we were one one 
at home. We won one away and won one at home. And then Christie got scored. the winner. Yeah, Christie, of course. Mr. Big Goals, they call him. So, yeah, he, he showed up to get us out of jail that night. And then, obviously, we, we had known that we were getting Hanover in the next round. So, that was a, a great one to get through. And, obviously, the buzz around the place. And Itchy Core on a, on a Thursday night, like Europa League, when it's hopping, it's, it's pretty, pretty special. And uh, we Aidan Fitzmaurice of the Herald is going to be at that uh, game in Iceland. Probably not quite as scenic, but uh, we're going to be joined by Aidan now to preview this game. What, what like It's kind of... Oh, like it's Iceland, so obviously the Irish team should win. But realistically, this is probably 50-50, is it? I think it's very even, yeah. I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the pros went through. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out. I think it's fairly, fairly even. I mean, Sterling, they're quite a new club. They've only been in Europe a couple of times before. And I suppose you can only go by recent history. Two years ago, they were hammered by, by Celtic. Although they did score kind of early on and that they were well beaten by Celtic. But previous year, they had a very good run. They beat... Um, Welsh and Scottish uh, opposition before they played like Poznan from Poland and like that was a disaster for like Poznan to, to lose to a side like Stjernan a bit like you know a few years ago when Heidek Split lost to Shelburne you know, it was a catastrophe for them that was on the same level for, for like Poznan they would have had serious ambitions in Europe so they can uh, they, they can cause problems for teams after that then they played in from Milan and got hammered so uh, but they have a, a bit of uh, recent pedigree in, in Europe but I think Rovers would have a lot on their side, a lot of players with, with European experience. As a club, they're, they're more experienced, and um, I think it's it's they don't really know what to expect. One thing of their favour, I think, is Stephen Bradley went out to see them last weekend. They played a league game on Saturday night, and Stephen Bradley went out to have a look, and I think for a manager, I think it's just the two functions. One is to actually see them yourself, see how they should put, because you can only tell so much on DVD or on TV, but also just to get see for yourself the stadium and the hotel and the trip and everything else, and I think... I spoke to Stephen Bradley after his trip, and he feels a lot easier. Even in terms of the stadium, you know, it only holds, I think, about 1,200. They only had 600 at their league game last week. So, you know, the old cliches about teams being playing abroad, you know, a cauldron of hate and difficult place to go. Iceland isn't going to be that for, for Shamrock Rovers this week. Um, it probably sounds a bit more like sort of the Belfield Bowl, that kind of atmosphere, those kind of surroundings. So, um, so I suppose a, a lot in, in Rovers, on Rovers' side. Yeah, and what do you expect from Rovers? I mean, they, they, have a young, they have a young team. I think only one of their players has even scored a goal in European combat. I think Webster, Ronan Finn, strangely enough, hasn't. Uh, three teenagers scored for them at the weekend, so it's maybe hard to know what sort of side Bradley's going to play. But, I mean, surely eight at the very least are going to bring something back to Tala. You would expect it would. I mean, again, Stephen Bradley had a look at the game the, the, the weekend, and one thing he found was they were very, very strong from set pieces, and that's often what cost Irish teams in the past so often you know Dan knows the story as well you watch an Irish team they've prepped well they've done everything else well they're in the game for 60-70 minutes it's going their way and then either conceding a stupid free kick or uh, a penalty or a corner that isn't that hasn't been worked on and that, that does them the damage so that does seem to be the main threat from Stjernan for, for this one that's very strong on, on set pieces I could see them coming back with, with something from it and there is a bit of a bit of a carrot there they know in the next round they played Mladen Boleslav from the Czech Republic who again would be probably a, a level up in terms of of opposition but wouldn't be at the same level of, of Sparta or Slavia Prague again difficult type for overs but uh, not not unwinnable I think that is a, a, an advantage for overs and that a lot of players have European, European experience Roman Finn going back a, a long time with his various clubs Simon Madden has, has played in Europe for, for, for Derry uh, uh, among others so they have that experience on their side a lot of the, the other younger players they like you know Trevor Clark uh, Sean Boyd people like that haven't uh, on the other hand they have recent uh, international experience Aaron Bulger who scored for them last week was away with the Irish underage team so was Trevor Clark so that's you know they've, they've, they're used to that even that, that that getting that into the players' minds where you, you travel abroad you get in, get into a new hotel setting setting mm. in the hotel you eat prepare well get ready for that I think Rovers have, have a lot of that in their in their armour even though it is strange as you said that they, they haven't uh, 
they none of them scored apart from, from, from Dave Webster. It is very odd that Ronan Finn has played so many. He's probably up to about 25, 30 games in Europe at this stage, Ronan, and he's never never scored in, in Europe. So maybe this, this, this would be a good chance for uh, for Ronan Finn to, to, to stop that and to get his first European goal. Aidan, just finally, we discussed this last week, I think, myself and Johnny and Damo. And from your perspective, you're covering League of Ireland ties and Europe probably back to the like mid-90s. From the four draws this, this year, how many teams can you see going through, realistically? I'd like to say at least one. I think Cork have a chance of getting through. Um, I think Derry will struggle. I think Dundalk, unfortunately, I think will struggle. I think that Dundalk, if a year ago against Rosenborg, would have had a good chance. But just this Dundalk team, I know they're on form recently, three good wins and three, three clean sheets recently for Dundalk. Rovers, just not that convincing. I mean, the team that Rovers played, odds, the team that they played last year, were, weren't really that much better than, than Rovers, and they still lost. So uh, I could see... I think we could be looking at possible only one coming through, and it could be could be Cork City. I hope to be proved wrong. Uh, Cork could also slip up as well. I think I think they, they don't want to, they're, they're John Coffey is very wary of, of that kind of talk around Cork that this is a, a gimme tie for them and that they're through to, to more or less to, to face for Farish. But I think uh, if one got through, I think that would be that would be uh, that would be an advantage, which is probably a sign that we are going backwards a little bit in, in Europe, unfortunately. Ado, thanks a million. Enjoy Iceland. Okay, Johnny. Cheers, Ado. All right, Dan. Okay. And you can read Ado's reports and all his League of Ireland uh, copy in the Herald, uh, which last week had a free ice cream in Supermax, which I took out. And then I just went on the beer instead and didn't have an ice cream. <laughs> still, have the, still have the coupon at home. This, with is, this is all part of your getting over the American process, Johnny. You had a happy weekend. Dan, how many teams are going to go through of the three? Of the three? Because we'll, we'll deal with uh, Dundalk later on. Yeah, Dundalk's a couple of weeks away, I guess. Um, I, think, I think maybe two. I, I disappointed now if it's not two of these three. Yeah, I think Cork will go through. I'd be I'd be disappointed if Rovers. I think if Rovers play to their best, they're capable of knocking out Stranan. But I mean, we, I mean, James even mentioned his experience with Icelandic sides. I think Cork played um, was a KR a couple of years ago when they lost, and then Dock and FH last year. They've all been pretty close. Like all these ties, Cork were dreadful Irish, back then. They I were. Mean, they were. They, were they, they they had the incident. I think with Billy Dennehy before the game, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And there was a, it just maybe. That was their worst time of that season. They're in a good place now. And they were poor in 2015, to be fair. But um, the Irish-Icelandic games have all been pretty close. There hasn't been much between them. I think the team that sort of plays better, you know, by their standards across the two guys go through. The fact that Rovers are a home second, you would hope to get a result out there. Now, Talad hasn't necessarily been like a fortress by any stretch of imagination at all. Um, but they've had a couple of good home games this year. The atmosphere, it must be said, against Bowes was good. And just maybe if they got people out and into it, because it's big money for I them. I think they would, know? yeah, because it's a game on in uh, Dublin as well that people want to go to first European Hopefully game. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. And uh, any chance, Jerry? I think it's a long shot. Even, I mean, we spoke last week about the break that they've had in catching them cold. As Kenny touched on, they, they've been out of action for a while. I mean, I know I was reading the quotes from their manager speaking about how the players have been on holidays for a couple of weeks and they're getting it back in. And some of their comments about Derry are a bit... Uh, you know, we're sure that we're, we're sure they're a good side, but we don't know very much about them now. I know they obviously recorded the court game, as Kenny mentioned, but it's it's it's, it's a bold prediction to say that there you're going to knock them out over two legs. I think realistically, it's probably not going to be a good enough. 
particularly as they're bringing them back to Sligo, which is unusual. Even I, without a doubt, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, wouldn't mind seeing them go to Burncrana, to be honest. You know, I think they could get something going there if they had the result. But even the fact they're going to Sligo, it's just well, possibly the, a bridge too far. Which is kind of good with the fact that uh, the, their scouting mission took place in Burncrana, which is basically a, a, a Sunday league ground. Um, you know, in effect, like it's basically just people I'm just around thinking the pitch. Though, I know it might they might look at them and the video and like, ah, these lads are. A I, bit I still think my favorite European story we mentioned going the Inchi core was the time that Krillius Savasov team played uh, played Pats. I think it was like was it 09 or something. And obviously the press box and Pats you can you can see down to the two tunnels. Mm-hmm. And like the Russian lads, they they obviously gone shopping. They had cans of Guinness. They brought them in. They brought them in. And you're just looking at this going. These guys aren't really. They weren't fully actually having in. a laugh like Pat Dolan was. No, no, they had obviously someone had gone. I don't know. Had they gone to the Guinness store or had they just gone down to like Spar? It is nearby. But there was, but there was lads with like cans of Guinness. I mean, I felt like saying, lads, also, you don't drink it out of a can. I mean, this is it's, <laughs> ne- it's never good. Did you so say like, it to them? The, no, I mean, they got that tie all wrong in every sense. Mm. But it was just a little insight into Without their mindset. And they lost that leg and then, then Pats went away and scored a couple of away goals to go through. It was 3-2 three, two, three, the second two, leg or something. And they were completely beaten. And, uh, they got like, two late I goals. Think Fabio, maybe? Fabio got yeah. 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 And yeah, James, yeah. Your, your prediction, uh, you, you keep up to date with live score early in the morning, the results and all that. Uh, I, I certainly think Cork would be really, really disappointed if they don't go through. Especially, the, I think, like obviously, it looks like the league is is home and hose, you know, and keeping hold of Sean un, until the end of July and not going through a couple of rounds in Europe would be would be a really, really big blow. I think essentially, so I'd fancy them to go through for sure. I'd, I'd expect them to win out there. I really would. I I think the Derry one is is difficult. Mitchell and are like they've won the league kind of previously in yeah. the last couple of seasons. They. They seem to have a really, really good, good nous of the kind of money ball. They that's the way they they sign their players and stuff like that. So they seem a cut above what what Derry would be. Like, like you're saying, taking them back to Sligo is is a lot different to a home ground, especially a home ground, especially with the Derry lads not really being familiar with yeah with I Sligo. Think, yeah, I think. Uh, and how about Rovers? I I it depends on what Rovers team turn up. I Do think you know Stephen Bradley much from your playing days. Yeah, Stephen was on was on the the league winning side that we had at Rovers with Michael. I'd I'd expect them to get to get some sort of a result out there if they can if they can get a nil nil or a one a one one and take it back to Tala if. If Tala is hopping and it's it's quite intense, I I fancied him to go through, but it it there's not that many players that would have European experience. Yeah. If you play like the likes of Clark and, and O'Connor up front, it the, if he gets his experience, I'm not telling him how to pick the team, but if he gets his experience, lads on the field, I think they'll be able to see it through. Certainly, I ha- and I have to give give them a lot of credit as well to have three teenagers scoring last week against Rohada, three really promising players. It's just it's just great to see. Um, you know the the future that they're yeah, building. Yeah, Bulger's there. an interesting. Aiden mentioned mm. them, like you know, young Aaron Bulger, like he was, he was playing in the under seventeen Euros recently, and even at that level, he looked a bit small, you know. And yeah. he's 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 he's, but he's a talented ball playing midfielder, and you have to be sort of committed to giving that guy responsibility, and it's sort and of they, impressive that they're actually doing it, you know. Yeah, as opposed to saying, oh, well, he's too small. I've I've seen Stephen talking about that, saying people saying they're too small, this, that, and the other. And he was even when we were at Rovers, he believed in that. So it's not about Aaron being physical or stuff like that. It's can he be sharp enough on the ball that he never gets into a physical confrontation? Because you played with a young Wes, you know, and that is a, a classic case in point. Not to put any comparisons, they're unfair. Mm, no. But you have to have faith in that type yeah, of Yeah, you have to have faith and have belief and, and trust him that he's good enough on the ball. If, if he's small and he's rubbish on the ball, well then... He's got a problem. Pointless. Yeah, he's got a problem, but, but I, I've seen him and I've heard stories about him that he's a really, really good, talented player. Are you, are you going with the new fashion thing of no socks as well? Yeah. Yeah, uh, not sure about that. Yeah, it's quite sure. warm. 
you know, odorous. <laughs> right, the preview of week 20. Bray, because of course, Jackie Turrell on the Sunday game, Dan, you're not a big guy, man, but it was no. very controversial. First man ever in the Sunday game not to wear socks. The boy Owen in the corner is, just, is a green here because he's part of that show as well. Bray against Dundalk. So uh, and James met each other. Neither was wearing socks. Thomas, yeah. Um, Bray Dundalk. Bray Dundalk, yeah. Uh, Dundalk ticking along nicely now. Well, changed the back four, changed their two centre-backs for the Galway game. Well, I, I watched the Dundalk-Galway game. I wasn't there, but I managed and to... the track champ. I managed to watch it. Um, I obviously was overseas at the time. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it was perfectly legal. But uh, I couldn't believe Galway's approach to the game. I mean, I, I appreciate that the manager has a decision to make to like pick and choose between his matches and they're playing they're playing Pats on Friday and it's the biggest game of the week and you have to uh, maybe prioritise that and he left out the players but God like just it's a bit deflating to watch a Premier Division game where one team has pretty much conceded we, we, we have a hope here. I agree with you, but um, it was it's been sterile sort of yeah, affair. It was know? very sterile atmosphere as well. Third game in uh, seven days for Dundalk against Bray. So that's, a, that's a stat you just from from, from own yeah but I don't think last night counts as much of a game so no uh, I, no I think they're mixing things up a bit I wouldn't worry too much about how they change the team I, I think like they've got a seven point cushion now between second and third with the same amount of games played um, and I'd say there's a bit of hangover from this defeat in Oriel earlier in the season which I think Kenny is still sore about. Um, yeah, I, I, they're ticking along, but I'm still not convinced. Like, the dog of the top five this year, the only one they've beaten is Rovers at home on the opening day of the season. That's an interesting point. They've, they've lost twice to Cork. They've taken one from six against Derry, lost to Bray in the one game they've played, and they, they lost to Rovers and Tala. So their, their recent results on paper read brilliantly, like 6-0 and 4-0 and 2-0 and, you know, a lot of goals without reply. But unfortunately, it's against teams in the wrong end of the table, and the wrong end of the table just isn't really that strong. So, so uh, what about so, uh, Bray so, now as well? So, like, Dylan Conley not playing of late. They brought in Anto Flood, who scored against Galway. They kind of... They've come out of the break in good yeah, form yeah an interesting subplot this week is, is obviously Dylan Connolly to Dundalk certainly um, the rumour seems to be the rumours there's definitely something in it that it's back on the cards and um, it's, it's topical that it comes up this week ok I want to ask you if, would, would Dylan Connolly do well at Dundalk would he, would he fit into that team if he signed for them I think they'd be they'd love to have him in Europe. I yeah. think they've realised that they probably lack a bit of pace in their side at the moment and even when they played Cork they didn't really get in behind them and stretch them, and I mean, particularly in Europe. Do you remember it in, in Warsaw last year? They were crying out for someone like that when they were down to 10 men leg yet, just didn't have it. They didn't have the pair to bring on. Yeah. Kildoff was injured, obviously, but to have somebody with his. Do you yeah. know much about Conley, James? Yeah, I've, I've, I think I've, I played against him once, maybe, and obviously he had a really, really good season last year. He, he committed to Bray. I, he, he does. That's the one thing he does have in his armory, is yeah. electric pace, and there's not many in the league that are really like that, that, that are blistering quick uh, he, he offered them something different than their armory for sure he and would do you, know, do you know what was mad last season when Ronan Finn had that chance against Zenith um, in Tala when he got in behind through pace like and he was taking on the two Zenith centre backs and he just beat them for pace so you can even at that level cause problems now Dylan Connolly is way way faster than Ronan Finn so that that arse, if he does go, I think it'll be intriguing. Yeah, I think like he might, he might if he does, a, you know, he might have been suited to a game like Monday against Galway when the teams are sat in behind. Jen technically, he, he, possibly, has a bit ha- more to do. He has those players that he can play instead of him if needs be, I guess. But yeah. prediction time. Gonna get gonna get the boy Jambo in on this as well. Yeah, no, yeah. we are the boy Jambo. Jambo or Jambo? 
either or lads Jane I'll Bo. respond to anything Jane Bo, give us a prediction here uh, I, I'm going to go a draw I, I think it's going to be 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, one. so he's a draw for, for him I'm going to go away win here yeah I, I've yeah slight, slight feeling for an away win yeah Brave in fairness to them you know they've been quite good since the, the break you know they seem to have got their act back together a bit but I think Dundalk are a bit sore over the game earlier in the season and I think they'll be well well fired up for it. I fancy him away win, but only narrowly. If the, and if that's a subplot, definitely the Connolly thing is as well. Uh, lots of plots and plotting going on at Drogheda by the sounds with two players left, um, Griffin and Killian Brennan. And true to Brennan style, there was post-departure uh, social, social media stuff. They're playing Limerick, who just might be in danger of slipping down there if they keep conceding goals like they have, uh, Dan. I, I expect that they might be strada in the sense that I don't think all is well at Hunky Dory Park or whatever it's called now. United Park. United now, Park. But I'm going to... is no more. I'm going to go with an away win, but uh, Limerick really needs to stop conceding goals. Yeah, and I think Drada probably need to stop the rot as well. And Scored I, a goal last week. Yeah, but... In a 4-1 four, defeat. Conceded 4 would be a slight issue and... Six the week before. I know Demo last week felt they might go to Tala and, and frustrate them, but I think I think their mind second into this game will just to be difficult to beat. Um, I I just see I could just see this one being a draw. Yeah, Jambo. Yeah, I I just I, I think with the two boys leaving this week as well, I, I don't think draw to have have anywhere near the quality that Limerick does, especially with the boy up front Tossy. Him, yeah, 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 like yeah. Benny is starting to look, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, good player, look good, look good as well. Look, I, I just think they have far more of an attacking threat. Limerick, I know they're away from home, and I, I just think after going 2 0 up against Pats last week, that they'll, they'll be a bit sore about that as well. So, I fancy Limerick to go and turn them over, and then it gives Limerick a little bit of breathing space as well. When, when you can beat a yeah. team that are a little bit lower, they'll be you. fine. I think Limerick again. Like they have 24 points at the moment. I still think like another three wins across the rest of the season and a couple of draws, they'll be absolutely I agree. fine. So they, I can't they, see them they, getting dragged into if it. If you compare them to Galway United, who are my next team playing against Pats, um, you know, they just have so much going on up front. By the way, I gave out about United Park early in the season that it wasn't fit for licensing. Dundalk last night went for curry chips at halftime. It wasn't right at all after it. No, I was like... The curry chips? Oh, I, just, I don't think they were. I don't, I, I'd say it was pesticide or something. I just, I, <laughs> I literally just felt ill straight away after it, which was forewarned. Um, well, it wasn't it? JJ Gabay said. The licensing. Jonathan Gabay said that the, the curry chips and cork were scrummy. Wasn't that one of his lines at the was time? It scrummy. I think it was, yeah. yeah. I think that's what he said. This, this was among the worst curry chips I'm I've ever sure, had. I'm not sure, though. I don't think they were. I don't think it was curry. It, didn't, it tasted like something that okay, looked this, like curry. Okay, you have to be careful here with this. But. Yeah. but um, yeah, I'm not sure if, like, I think we've got bigger issues in terms of licensing than curry chips, to be honest. you know, It's, it's an issue. No, the bigger issue here rooms. is where you having points before the curry no, chip. No, no, this is the but thing. The and it actually stopped me having a point after the game. I was well, like, but then you, you wouldn't have a Ruby Murray and a point. Tactically, he's got it all wrong there. Absolutely. So you've yeah. no one else to blame on yourself. What's your favourite? Uh, you must start with a point and then have curry chips. What's your favourite? Mine, I like, I like a point of Peroni. Peroni. Yeah. Look at this. this well, he should be in Italy, this man. <laughs> you know, the clobber, the style of Now football. we know why he was so gutted after that <laughs> you Juventus <did>. game. <laughs> uh, James, did you let me down? <laughs> you could have signed for us. Uh, Pat Johnny, that's, that's absolutely horrendous. You'll be, you'll be gone home by this, I think? No, I'll, I'll, I'll still be here. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and get to the game on Friday. But no right. rumours as to you joining Pats. None of that. Not going to happen. No, that's, that's not going to happen. Are you going to sign for a League of Ireland club in due course? Are you going to come home? Probably not. I'd be I'd be surprised to be honest with you. I can never I, say never, but like I'd I'd be surprised. Who's gonna win between Pats and Goy? 
Uh, I, I'm definitely going to go Pats here, not just because my loyalties lie with them. I just think they, they'll they be buoyed by like the, the two-goal turnaround last week, especially being 2-0 down away from home to Limerick and, and it going so late. I, I, I haven't seen much of Galway. I could tell you lies and tell you that I have, but they, they just don't seem to have their... They're act together. They, they they don't. I know they beat Dundalk earlier on in the year, and I thought that would have spurred them on a little bit, but but it definitely didn't. And I, I just think Pats will have too much, especially confidence from last week, and they've too many good players to not start winning. I I think that two all draw as confidence is going to definitely. I think help so. Them. It's the biggest game of the season so far. Like when you think about the position they're in, you know, at home against the bottom side. Like second from if bottom. If they're going to get out bottom. of this mess, like this is the game you have to win. I sincerely hope, as we discussed before, around Dublin eight this week, we'll actually see some kind of promotion of the game, some kind of uh, rally, rallying cry of some kind from the club to actually sort of promote this match and let people know that this is serious. You know, this position that they're in. I really hope that people respond. Jane Chambers is back at the ground. What more does anyone want? <laughs> that's the sell. That's no, the sales pitch. They're trying to get people in, Johnny. <laughs> no, I did see. You're very self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, I did see earlier on on Twitter that they have they have something going for kids. I think the first three hundred kids yeah. get a free cap or something along that's those good. lines. But they need so something like something. that. They, yeah. they, they do need to get a little bit of, of a crowd, and certainly when it's down there and there's people behind them, it's it's certainly a good place to play, and you're you're buoyed by the crowd anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so I, are you holding out any hope for Galway, John? I know I would. Yeah, I, but I, I think our, our striking problem is, is major. Owen McCormick, who signed from non-league, uh, seems to have done okay, but he's to make a almost Roy the Rovers type transition because Vinny and Pori Cunningham aren't really scoring enough goals, and that's our problem. But he we, left Murray out on Monday, didn't he? Just to yeah, rest them effectively. He didn't look happy at all coming off the pitch. But I think he played. Think he might play a bit like that. He played. He played his heart out, but he was not happy walking off the pitch. I'm, I am a little bit worried. This is the most worried I've been about going United at the moment, and I can't really see. Pa- we we go behind in pretty much every game. Wouldn't be surprised if anything happens here. But I'm actually going to go with a home win because I think Pats are going to be boosted from last week. Yeah, I think I think this is a game call for Pat's home if they don't win this you know you're into trouble trouble territory and last we talked about Roy the Rovers the Battle of the Rovers uh, Sligo against Shamrock as they're known in England um, often written copy for the Racing Post where they've called them Shamrock and wrote it as if I wrote it which makes me look like a bit of a pleb uh, Sligo versus Shamrock Rovers Dan Sligo look poor were both the game on Friday or Rovers as they call them in Sligo and they call Rovers. Shamrock Rovers Shams. Shams you see so you have to get you're just after offending everyone in Sligo then. yeah Sligo uh, Rovers Sligo Rovers were poor against Bose and Michael Swingerman had two howlers in the last two games well, unfortunately yeah, I think for a team that's really down bottom going away from home and probably just want to start the game well and the Don't keeper the keeper sort of makes a bad mistake I don't know Rovers like Shamrock Rovers coming out of the European game so it's, it, we'll sort of see where they're at because it's you know, it's pretty important for them to get back into Europe again as well so they can't really necessarily be, off the be thinking about resting too many bodies but then again there's 200k up for grabs and if they're in a good position after travelling uh, maybe a tentative sort of home win because like I think I'll go for a draw yeah it's a tough one to call I don't think the, the new manager, Little, I don't think they've been buoyed too much by him coming Doesn't in. Doesn't seem to have had that impact you would expect. Yeah, normally when a new manager comes in, everyone gets a boost and the boys who weren't playing have a new lease of life and everything gets sparked, but it hasn't really no. happened for them like that. And I'd, I'd be worried for Sligo long term, like down there, just some of the players that they have, I'm unsure of, you know, they're, they're not proven quality Premier Division calibre players. And like the likes of John Russell and stuff, an experienced pro and a really good player. I, I just 
Well, no, I think Rovers will turn them over. It, it depends on what team Stephen plays. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's, it's a t- he's in a tough predicament. He might go. He might go and, and throw his complete belief in all the young boys after coming back. Mm. That, Quite possible, yeah. That that's his possibility, and that'll prove then to everybody that that the show is going to carry on, whether whether yeah. they like it or not. Uh, Sligo just like always just don't seem to have a great deal up front. Too reliant on Rafter Taro. First division shells against Watford, Wexford against UCD, Cove against Athlone, Longford against Cavantili, and the gap is still four points uh, after last weekend's games. So UCD and Cove, despite a disappointing result for Cove, hanging on in there. And uh, two tweets for you before we wrap up, uh, Jambo. Were you impressed with Aaron Connolly? This is from Ryan Clark. Um, were you impressed Aaron Connolly who's been training with uh, your side while over on a scholarship? Uh, Aaron Malloy. I don't know where Aaron Connolly got, came from. Were you, were you impressed with Aaron Malloy who's been Aaron training Connelly with Bethlehem? Aaron Connolly's in the Irish 17s, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, so Aaron Malloy, have you impressed with him? Yeah, I, I was I was made aware of Aaron because I, I coached Malahide in their 17s and Aaron was with Crumlin at the time and, and I liked him as a player and he was playing as a number 10. Really, really good player. Obviously, he's, he's Trevor Malloy's son. So he, he went out to a, a university in Florida and he's he's since transferred to to Penn State, one of the bigger schools. But he plays PDL for our under twenty three team, which is like a summer league for the for the college students. And he's trained with us quite quite a number of times. And I think he's an excellent excellent player. He's transitioned into a six, and he's been really really good. Any time he's trained with us, he he obviously has his education first and foremost to worry about while still pursuing the dreams of being a professional footballer, which is it's a no brainer. I don't think he would have had anything on the table here of. Of that magnitude, so he'll he'll leave school in, in three years with a degree in his back pocket and potentially the the opportunity to earn an awful lot of money through the game. But he certainly want to watch. Happy days, and finally Tony Mulraney, a regular listener. League with Rovers or Cup with Pats, which was more enjoyable? Well done on the clean sweep of all the other domestics. Uh, definitely the the league. Like I I think I said a couple of weeks. Tony's ago. a Pats fan. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tony, but yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely say the league because I, I don't feel like I said a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, I, I don't feel like I won the, I won the cup. I got on for about a second and a half. That doesn't count. No chance. You need to touch the ball at least. Yeah, I agree. Did you do much that. in your second and a half? Sort of when you're on it. Yeah, I ran on well and ran yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was playing in a in, the last time I played football at home, which is incidentally the level that Owen McCormack was playing at up until two weeks ago. Still hope, very, Johnny. Very, there is, still hope. Yeah. At, at the moment, the way go, we are going. You I might played, get to nod. I, I was actually reading that piece on the forty-two, and uh, I remember you saying that it didn't feel like you won, but like I played every game that season, got to the cup final, and I was dropped. And I wouldn't go out after the game with the team or anything. Like, I was just sulk, like, and I was just like, you know, I'm not part of this at all. And I was disgusted. And I actually think I want us to lose on the day. Wow. So that's an insight. It's an insight me. into your character, it must be yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you want to see James, he will be in Inchicore. Hopefully on Friday, uh, may or may not be wearing shades, BT clobber, uh, no socks, and possibly <laughs> after having a few Peroni. <laughs> yeah. In McDowell's. Would you go to McDowell's? No, I wouldn't no. go to McDowell's. No. You were winding all of those up for the day just to get one back at me, weren't you? Possibly, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but great to have you on. Thanks a million. Cheers, James. Thanks yeah. a million for having me, guys. Thank not you. at Much all. appreciate it. Uh, that was episode 19. Hopefully next week, Dan, we're ruminating over the prospect of two or three teams hopefully going through after the first leg. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Thanks for listening, guys. And as ever, we're on Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And that was week 19.